Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Good morning. Six or seven weeks ago now, we launched into our new uh, focus for the year, our new sermon series that we've been exploring these past many weeks. And in Pastor Jonathan's opening sermon of this series, he encouraged all of us as people of faith to choose love and to choose peace in a world that is often devoid of it. This has been our encouragement and it will continue to be our messaging through the remainder of this year. This is how we believe God is calling us as a community of faith to rise up in the midst of a world that is caught in a story of polarization, division, scorekeeping, all of which grows resentment and animosity and tension in the world and in our lives. And I don't need to preach a whole sermon about the tensions of the world. They're out there and we know they're there. We feel them inside of ourselves as well. So we've been looking at ways that God calls us to be people of love and people of peace. But the reality of all of this is it's not easy work, is it? I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, I'm not, I'm not a I'm not happy to admit it, but, I, but I'm honest enough to that when somebody cuts me off and beeps their horn at me, my initial reaction is to lay on my horn louder. Is anyone with me? <laughs> I like the honest people in the room. Others of you, you know, you've just, you have a better prayer life than I do. <laughs> um, it's easy in the world we live in, right? Our animal instincts, our human instincts in us are fight or flight maybe freeze, a lot of times we react by fighting back. Somebody sends you a mean work email that comes across a little terse in its tone. Your initial reaction is we want to send that email back. Or maybe it plays out in your own kitchen. Someone in your family, don't look at each other right now. You know how this unfolds in life, right? It's so easy for us to to feed that, that, that tension and, and to create more resentment and more animosity. And, and then we, we fall into the trap of scorekeeping. Well, you did this and I did that and you did this and, and then it all blows up, right? It's hard for us to choose love and to choose peace. It's hard for systems in our world, governments and nations to choose love and choose peace. It's, it's difficult work and yet it's what God calls us to. I don't often think about my military service, the six years I spent in in the army. I don't think about it every day, but every now and then, memories do come flooding in. And sometimes they come flooding back in ways that I wish didn't happen. I do struggle with some PTSD from my time in, in, in the military and in Iraq. And the other day I was driving home from work and I was listening to the radio and I was decompressing from my day and the radio program was talking about the mounting tensions in Ukraine and, and Russia along the border there. 
And I was listening to the program about the, the, the thousands and thousands of Russian troops that are stationed there all along Ukraine and, and how people in Ukraine are terrified and afraid of what might happen in an impoverished country. And I let out this, <sighs> once again, a nation trying to intimidate and, and this story is probably going to unfold in ways that we don't want it to, but that narrative of Cain and Abel, brother against brother, just seems to be raging all the more. I pulled into my driveway and uh, it was a normal evening. Put the kids to bed, did the dishes, watched a little television, and I went to sleep. But I woke up around 3 a.m. from just a vivid dream. I don't have these dreams every day or every month, but, but they do come. And in my dream, I was in the Ukraine and I was one of the soldiers there that was feeling the tension and the fear and all of those emotions as we were hearing radio reports of, of Russian forces coming over and invading. And there we saw Russian tanks coming and, and soldiers. And in the blink of an eye in my dream then, I was back in Iraq in the middle of Mosul. And then I woke up. And when I wake up from these dreams that, that I have every now and then, I find that those animal instincts are so present. I'm often jarred, I, I'm, I'm a little afraid, <laughs> but I'm also sort of ready to fight. <laughs> and, and I don't know where that comes from other than, other than that animal instinct. And sometimes after those moments or those memories or I see something on TV, that urge comes back again to be a soldier. To go and, and fight. <laughs> to protect, to guard what I love. But in the midst of those feelings and those emotions that often surface for me as a veteran, I'm reminded of another story that, that played out for me while I was in Iraq. And over the years, this has come to really ground me in my true calling. I was medically evacuated from Mosul to Baghdad. And in the hours that followed after receiving some treatment in the combat hospital in Baghdad, I was moved to another part of the hospital. And as I was moved through one corridor, all of this activity was taking place. There were doctors and nurses and there were soldiers being treated. There were Iraqi civilians there looking for family members and loved ones. There was a chaplain over in the corner. I remember seeing a chaplain there. And then I was stopped in my tracks as I was moving through this corridor as I saw an Iraqi citizen, an Iraqi national there being treated from wounds that he had, he had received during some fight or some battle, something had happened. And as the crew was, or the, the doctors and the, the, the team was talking about who this individual was, I overheard that he was a known member of Al-Qaeda, an insurgent. And I remember feeling in, in, in my gut that this anger and this hatred that we were providing medical care, life-saving medical care for this person. What do you mean we're caring for this person? What do you mean we're trying to save his life? I think I said something. I, I even, what? How could we do this? This is a war. 
And that chaplain saw the look of dismay on my face. He overheard my comments and he came over to me a little while later and he said, soldier, are you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, we should love our enemies. He said, what those doctors are doing is they're loving their enemy. And I remember those words made me so mad. What? In Sunday school that makes sense, but this is, this is real life. It doesn't make sense here. And for years, that, that, that memory has haunted me in a holy way. Every time I feel that urge to, to respond with, with hatred or with anger or to fight back, not just those PTSD sort of moments that I experience, but the everyday moments in my life where I feel justified in my anger or my hatred of someone or something, every now and then, that image of that man on a stretcher and those doctors caring for him with no regard for who he was other than somebody who needed care comes back into my mind. And it's as if I hear the words of that chaplain saying, love your enemies. Because here's the reality. You can't make both choices. You'll live a conflicted life. Only one can really be true. We either perpetuate the narrative of Cain and Abel in big and little ways through our daily choices to feed the resentment, feed the anger, feed the bitterness, feed the divide, or we choose to love. And it's only in choosing love that the world sees peace. You see, when we choose love, we create peace in the world. And it first begins in our own hearts. Jesus, in Luke chapter six, is trying to teach his disciples the same message that he will try to teach them all throughout his ministry. And where we picked up our gospel reading for today is actually a continuation of a longer teaching that Jesus is is giving in Luke six. It's known as the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew's version, you have the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Luke, it's the Sermon on the Plain, and it's an interesting little note that you can sort of make light of. You remember earlier, I think it's Luke chapter four, Jesus is in his hometown synagogue, and he's teaching the people, and they get angry at his teaching. They're upset with his teaching, so they take him to the cliff, and they almost throw him off, but he passes through them. Well, what if Jesus here understands that what he's going to teach now will be even more difficult to hear, so he's not going to be near a cliff? (laughs) He's going down to the plane. (laughs) I'm going to give this teaching on safe ground. You can't throw me from anything here. But there's another interesting note. You can translate the first sentence that we read. It says, but I say to you that listen the participle can actually be translated here faithfully. I say to you who are still listening. I think that's profound. All through his ministry, Christ would share teachings that would initially shut people's ears off. People would quit listening to him. And how do we know this is true? They not only quit listening to him, they started to plot to kill him for what he taught. It was so radical that people didn't want to hear it and they didn't want others to be able to hear it. 
And it's in the wake of that that he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. These are words from Christ that we hear so often and the temptation is to treat them saccharine sweet like a Hallmark card. If we don't hear these words as hard teaching, then we're not listening or we're not honest with ourselves. It doesn't need to play out in a war zone. It can play out in your kitchen. What does it mean for us to choose love? To choose peace. Not just in the moment, but as an ethic and way of life. To be known as people who create peace and create love in the world. You see, all throughout his ministry, this is what Jesus was inviting people into, a new narrative. The old narrative Christ would put to death on the cross, which required death, vengeance, violence. Jesus puts it to death, and God raises him to a new way of life to show us once and for all that love and life win. And yet there are choices we make to either live into that story or to run against them. There's always been choices for God's people. A part of our motivation and our inspiration for this series and this focus this year was found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're sort of living in this liminal time and space between the world we knew prior to the pandemic, the life of our congregation before COVID-19, and the life to come. I think we've all felt we've been living through two years of a transitional time. We know we're called into the future, but we don't quite know what it looks like or where we're going. And we're hearkening this back to what the Israelites had experienced throughout their journey. They had lived one life, a life of hardship and oppression, of suffering in Egypt for 400 years. Generation after generation was born into that system of forced labor. And yet now they were freed and they were wandering in the wilderness, headed toward God's promised land. And they had a reality among them. There was the potential, I think, Moses knew and God knew for the people to grow bitter and jaded, to have hardened hearts. And it would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? These people were enslaved for 400 years, abused and tortured. Their natural human instinct, their animal instinct would be to guard their own, protect their own, be fearful of any outsider, live with a chip on your shoulder. And it's in the midst of that tension, right before they enter into the promised land, that Moses stands up to remind the people that they had a choice to make. And just like Jesus saying in Luke 6, I say to you who are still listening, prefacing, hey, I'm gonna say something hard to hear. Moses does a similar thing. He says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us so that we may hear it and do it. What is Moses saying? He's saying, look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a choice, but don't you dare say it's too hard. 
Don't you dare say it's impossible. Don't you dare say, oh, well, that's way up in heaven. You got to go to heaven to be able to do this, or you need to traverse the sea in order to make this happen. You can do this if you choose to. And here's what he says. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Moses understood that as the people were going to enter into the promised land, they had choices to make. Would they choose blessing or curse, life or death? And what Moses understood was that death would be found if they chose to live with hardened, fearful hearts, choosing to look at others as enemy. Life and blessing would be found if they lived into their calling to be a light to the nations, to bless the world through the descendants of Abraham. We too have a choice to make. We make thousands of choices every day. Our choices as people of God should be informed by the choices that Christ makes. And thanks be to God that we worship a Jesus who chose love and peace all the way to the end, nailed to a cross, saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Greeting the disciples in the locked room after his resurrection, not saying, I told you you would abandon me. Not being bitter or resentful or hateful, but saying, peace be with you, because love produces peace. You want peace in your home? You want peace in your neighborhood? If we want peace in the world, then we have to be people who choose love, who choose not to look at people's actions on their own as definitive of their character, but rather look at their character as that being a child of God. If we want peace, we have to choose love. If we want peace for ourselves, if we want to be happy with who we are, then we need to love ourselves, brokenness and all. This is the way forward. The world right now is aching and waiting for the people of God to rise up in the midst of a confused and chaotic world to be the people of peace and love that God has designed us to be. And here's the thing. We know that hatred and division is contagious. Gossip is contagious. But so is love. So is generosity. So is mercy. May we be the people who live into that story and say no to the other so that we can truly be the children of God that your home and your neighborhood and your workplaces and this country and this world needs. God is counting on us to rise up. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.